So today I'm joined by Chris James, who is Head of Accounting at Required's Partner Workwell. Um, following on from the massive recruited news on Friday that the reforms to IR35 have been rescinded as of April next year. Chris talks about just what a surprise it was to everyone, what that actually means now and what it means going forward. Um, I never thought I'd say an interesting podcast around IR35. Hope you enjoy. So welcome to the Required Podcast. Um, it's currently the Monday after the Friday mini budget. Um, the world is in turmoil, at least the pound is, the markets are crashing, um, but everyone in recruitment is just talking about the big news on Friday, which was the rescinding of the off-payroll rules or the amendments to the off-payroll rules in 2017-2021. Uh, now, for those who don't know, um, I've got with me today, Chris James. Uh, Chris is, well, I'll let you introduce yourself, Chris. What is it you do? Uh, yeah. Hi, thanks, Andy. I'm Chris James, and I head up the accountancy part of Workwell Group. Um, so I, I'm, I'm an accountant in practice, basically, basically looking after several thousand contractors uh, across the UK in a range of industries. Um, and that work obviously included uh, helping people um, those contractors, but also agencies and the rest of the supply chain uh, with understanding the new rules when they came in in 2017 and 2021. Okay. So for those who don't know, Workwell is a super large um, umbrella organisation who do limited companies and formerly a lot of people would know them as JSA Services. That's right. Got you. So, um, so for you guys, R35 has been around for you know as long as certainly you guys have been around. Yes, yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously, when we say IR35, we are talking about two different pieces of legislation in, in the way people normally talk about it. So we've got the original intermediary legislation, what, what we now refer to as old IR35. That's the bit of legislation where a contractor working uh, either direct for an end user or via an agency or in, in whatever format, um, they would have to look at the end of a tax year as to whether or not they think they have been working like an employee or like uh, a, a, a genuine business in a business-to-business -business relationship type way. If they decide they've been working like an employee, then they have to look to pay employment taxes rather than the normal taxes a company uh, owner might use, which would normally be a low amount of salary and then perhaps dividends to make up the difference. So that would save them some money um, if they were paid that way. But if old IR35 applied, they would have to look at uh, applying employment taxes instead, which would, for, in almost all circumstances, mean that they paid some extra tax. So that's old IR35, which has applied since uh, the year 2000. So in, then, layman's, sorry, in layman's terms, it was more efficient for a contractor to be outside IR35 than it would be inside. So they'd be able to claim expenses, they'd pay potentially a lower rate of taxation, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So that that was the old rules pre two thousand and seventeen. That's right. Yeah. And so that, yeah, it's been around more than twenty years. Um, and as you say, yeah, generally more tax efficient. Everyone wanted to be outside if if that was genuinely their position. Uh, and of course, the key thing with those rules is the contractor decided, and if the contractor decided they were inside, they paid the extra tax. So then um, that didn't work terribly well for HMRC. Uh, they found it hard to investigate thousands of individual contractors. And so they looked for several years for a way to kind of make this better. And in 2017, they introduced this kind of turbocharged version of the rules. The rules around whether you were working like an employee or not, and therefore liable to employment taxes or a lower rate of tax, 
they're exactly the same principles. So things around mutuality of obligation, substitution, control, et cetera. Those detailed arguments about what, what does an employee look like, they're exactly the same for the new rules and the old rules. But the difference was with the new rules, it now wasn't down to the contractor to decide, um, except where there was a small small company at the top of the chain. In almost all situations, the end user, the, the ultimate beneficiary of the work being done, they had to decide, is this piece of work that I'm letting a contractor do, is that um, like a, an employed role or is it like a genuine business-to-business -business assignment? And if uh, and and they had to make that decision, they had to transmit that decision down the chain, and to make sure that, for example, if it was an agency in between them and the contractor, the agency then um, paid the contractor in accordance with the decision made by the end hire at the top. So if the end hire decided it was an employed piece of work, they would be effectively telling the agency, "Pay this person uh, with employment taxes deducted." Um, and of course, inevitably, what actually happened then in most cases was it wasn't that the contractor continued to use their PSC to receive this employment tax deducted pay. It was normally that they would either work outside through their PSC as they had done before, or if it wasn't employed and inside position, they would normally look to get paid in a different way, perhaps agency payroll or an umbrella company or even a permanent role occasionally. With the end hirer so it's the same principle is this person working like an employee but now the decision rested elsewhere and the first place hmrc would come if they wanted the money that they felt hadn't been deducted uh, the employment taxes that hadn't been taken away they would actually come to whoever had paid the psc paid the contractor which in many cases would of course be the agency having worked agency side and and rolled out the regulations in 2017 it, it was very interesting because up until that point, it was down to the contractor, and ultimately, you know, you know, we we couldn't aid and abet them um, because obviously, but you know, we we would support them. We'd made up make our contracts as friendly as we could. We'd explain to end hirers around working practices, but ultimately, uh, our whole opinion on it changed when we became liable. Mm. Yeah, and the other interesting point about that was it was so you you, you ended up with this chain where you've got one person doing the work someone else liable for the tax if that decision is wrong and someone else making the decision. And on one of the original drafts of the new IR35, the second piece of legislation, the agency was going to have to decide as well. Uh, but it was decided in the end that they were too far removed from the situation to make that decision properly. Uh, so, yeah, it was a very, very different world to the world before. Of course, for the revenue, the, the, the logical reason for doing it was because they felt that the rest of the supply chain perhaps didn't care enough about what contractors were doing. So you can understand why they thought this was a good way of working. But as we've seen, and as the you know uh, government appears to reach the same conclusion, uh, they didn't think this worked very well as a compromise either. So I, I, I sat there Friday, and I, I think I was on a Zoom call, and I saw just the you know the news breaking basically, and. I think everyone is expecting or hoping for a review, you know, because as you've said, it hasn't been a perfect system. I don't think, you know, in, hirers don't like it, contractors don't like it, agencies don't like it. And actually, everyone was thinking, right, okay, well, we might get a review. We've had a few of those before, you know, and, you know, HMRC will review it, decide it's okay, and everything will be fine. So what do you think changed? Um, it is a bit of a mystery, to be frank, because, as you say, I think the, the realistic expectation of people like myself who'd campaigned against this thing coming in in the first place, uh, that the, the second set of rules, you know, we've been campaigning for six, seven years. 
And it seemed to have gone quiet, although then, obviously, during this prime ministerial race, promises were made again to review IR35. But as you say, we've heard that before. So I think the best thing uh, people were hoping for was a meaningful review. Um, and so, yeah, I was as surprised as anybody else when, you know, I had to go back and kind of listen to it a few more times. We actually just stood up and said, yeah, actually, we'll we'll just get rid of it. Um, I did. I, I, w- I was slightly regretful um, at that moment because in the morning on the radio, obviously, lots of politicians, whatever, will come up and trail a bit what's going to happen. And there was so much talk of um, removing a stranglehold on entrepreneurs and promoting innovation and so on. I almost posted something on LinkedIn, but not saying maybe they'll get rid of it, just saying it does sound like this will be a meaningful review. So in terms of, you know, why they've suddenly had this, this conversion of, uh, you know, opinion, it is true to say, you know, the public accounts committees, the lords, loads of people that have investigated this have found problem after problem after problem with it. Uh, people like me who talk about it, you know, and that there are lots of big name campaigners, you know, the, your Ipses, uh, contract calculator, people like that. Everyone has been um, uniformly negative about the way these reforms work. Um, and that's never gone away. But in terms of why now something's broken through, I don't know. I can only assume there are enough voices around the policymakers at the central government uh, that they've decided this would be um, a worthwhile thing to do because it's not, you know, it's not a, a central tenet of the budget at all. The budget's got lots of other, you know, very headline-grabbing tax reductions in it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's. I don't know. I am kind of in my own world of campaigning. Like I say, I campaigned against this for years. I'm glad that they're taking it away. I think it's a bad piece of legislation. Um, but of course, the, the other reality is it's unlikely that the revenue will just go back to the old days and not not want to do anything different. So we'll have to see how this all plays out. But yeah, it, it's a mystery as to exactly why it's happened now, but I'm happy to see it. And in terms of the budget as well, there's some other things for contractors that were quite um, obviously useful. Um, so the, the revoking of the national insurance increase as well. So for um, umbrella workers, that's a significant yeah increasing their in their take home and, and also as well the, the reduction you know for for PSCs with dividends as well. So I guess yeah. actually looked like I think for the first time in a while central government had sort of started to understand the gig economy. Yeah it did feel that way. I, I wrote something along the lines of yeah this is the first contractor positive uh budget even though it wasn't a budget cause um for many many years uh, and also as well as everything else you mentioned corporation tax was going up in april and that's also being cancelled so yeah it's um it, it was you know it was a, a highly significant budget like event i haven't seen anything that's quite so focused on on business um i don't think in all the years i've been watching them it's quite quite staggering and, and is it the enterprise allowance remains as well for the purchase of capital assets as well, which again, uh, yes, annual investment allowance stays high. Uh, yeah, and obviously there are these investment zones as well that aren't in place yet, but they also include further easements such as reduced employers' national insurance contributions and everything else. But yeah, it's. Um, I, I was wondering on Thursday when they confirmed the national insurance uh, cancellation whether there might be a rabbit out of the hat, but I think there was a whole. Whole family of rabbits pulled out of the hat on Friday. So, obviously, when this news broke, um, there was a mixture of people, and and I, I actually think one of the the more dangerous things is the narrative that IR thirty five has gone. And I think you know, to most people that would be the the natural assumption, but it hasn't quite. And you know the rules don't change until April. 
Um, and you know, so so how does this now move? What 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 does I guess the next six months hold? And then after that, what does that then hold, Chris? Yeah. So yeah, there's a whole load of variables there. But this, if we kind of go through things in turn, like you say, so that that first problem, as you mentioned, yes, IR35 is not and will not go away. It, it is still there uh, in terms of the old rules, the rules where a contractor, if no one else is deciding how they are assessed, they still have to do that. And the different, what's changing is from April 23, that second set of rules I described where the end user makes the decision and perhaps the agency or someone, whoever else pays the PSC, they're at risk financially, that bit goes away. So from uh, work done, um, it's not payments made, and that's important. There's normally a bit of uh, uh, people. People have uh, imagined scenarios around payment dates around these changes. From work done from the sixth of April, twenty-three, it's no longer the responsibility of the end user to decide whether or not the person doing that work is acting like an employee or not. And it's no longer possible for the payments for that work um, for the revenue to come after the agency for the extra taxes. If that that were the situation. So that goes away, but then that means because because that the way that rule worked was if if that did apply, then you didn't have to do your own status assessment. But if it didn't apply, then you did have to do your own status assessment. So what we've done is gone back to where everyone has to do their own status assessment. So every traditional PSC, everyone supplying their own services through their own company that's owned by them or them and one or two other people only, they then have to go back, decide at the end of the tax year if they've been working like an employee or not. Um, and then if they have, they have to pay some extra taxes over. So IR35, as it has most long, uh, for the greatest length of time being known, it hasn't gone away at all. It's still there. It's just the new one has gone. So what, where does that leave us? Well, first off, so today, the rules are exactly the same as they were last week. Nothing has changed. Um, so an end user should still be issuing a status determination statement, that opinion about the status of the work. And, and they should be doing that right up to all the time contractors working up to April 5th. Yeah, for, for all the work done up to April the 5th, that's right. Now, of course, we know that many contracts, they'll go across that date. So, you know, I think it would be, what would it, what would it be, ambitious of anyone to think you could do a status assessment for some work before that date and then completely ignore that opinion after that date. Because what will happen as we go past that date is people's contracts will come to an end and new ones will start and put, or, or extensions or whatever. And so the main changes I imagine will be as as that, that churning of, uh, of assignments and work uh, happens, that's when things will change. Although I have already heard one or two people kind of thinking about the idea that, well, how likely is a challenge from now on and so on. Personally, I find that very, very dangerous. I think there's no, yeah, we're, we're in this world already. I'd be planning for the time after April, not, uh, not planning to kind of take a punt on the idea that HMRC won't be won't be looking at this area anymore. Uh, we'll talk maybe a little bit later about what HMRC might be doing. But so that that's the that's the change. Um, and of course, in terms of what might then happen, especially as we go through into April and beyond, it kind of depends where you where you are now. So if you're in a supply chain uh, where, for example, the end user has um, just stopped working with PSCs. They just said, oh, I don't want to work at PSCs anymore because if I did, I'd have to do status assessments. There's a potential financial risk. I don't like it. Then you're kind of in the middle ground, I'd say, because people can take a fresh look at that work in it from April onwards and decide, and decide, do I think I can do this on an outside basis or an inside basis? Um, and there isn't kind of any track records to bear, bear in mind. Um, 
Of course, that doesn't mean, though, that an end user might decide, even continuing on, was, well, we're comfortable in this situation. Let's just stay with a with a ban on that way of working. So as ever, it's going to depend partly on the, the opinion of the end user. They're still going to call the shots. Uh, but if they are happy with outside uh, working, uh, then the agency can find themselves feeling fairly comfortable, I think, because they've got no financial risk going forward. And the contractor, they just need to, you know, uh, they need to be able to look themselves in the face and sleep at night and whatever and make an honest assessment about their status. Um, and also in that market, of course, what will become more important again is contractors getting their own status assessments, which has been less important over the last two or three years because so many of them have had to rely on someone else's assessment um, if indeed they've been able to work through their PSC. I think where a worker has been working in the supply chain has decided that that work was inside and then put them into uh, an, uh, you know, an umbrella or other payroll model. Um, they, you know, there's a harder decision to make there. You may, you know, people, you know, that's not the same as saying I don't want to work with PSCs. I don't want to take the risk. That's saying I've looked at this and I think the work is inside. In that case, then you kind of made an employment decision, and um, it's it would be, yeah, again, it would be quite brave to believe that HMRC will completely ignore that decision in the future. Um, and of course, if you're in a supply chain where your end users looked at your situation and decided that you are outside or that the contractors you're placing are outside, then obviously that feels pretty safe because you should be able to just stop issuing SDSs. The financial risk falls away from the agency and the contractors can continue to work happily as they were doing before. Um, so that's that's the that's the main types of things. I think you know, people might be wondering how how easy would it be for HMRC to notice that someone who's been working in a non-PSC way has gone back to PSC. Um, because, of course, if you think about how easy it was for them to notice that someone working in a PSC had moved to Umbrella, that was that could be quite difficult. In this case, don't forget that however those people were employed, assuming they were through any kind of real employment, those those individual contractors will have been on RTI submissions all the way through this period. Like RTI? And, uh, so that's the the electronic exchange of information that every, every employer, if you pay someone on a payslip, basically, you have to tell send details of those people and the amounts every month or every pay cycle to HMRC. So they've got all that data. That doesn't mean they can automatically match it to anything else. You need data scientists to do that for you, and they are they have limited resources. But unlike in other times when we've had big changes in the ways of engaging people, because they do happen all the time, you know, this isn't the first big change you've talked about, I'm sure, in your time, Andy. Um, in this case, they do have a big long list of people who've been receiving employment income, and they will be able to compare it then to if those people set up their own companies again and work through those, they will have to make their own RTI submissions, and they will be registered as directors at Company House and so on. And it's not the hardest thing in the world to match those two things together. So that's why, obviously, uh, just thinking it doesn't matter what I do in the new world would be uh, an overly optimistic thing to think about if you were trying to work outside again. I think the other thing that's different from before 2017 is, is and, and we saw a lot of, or I saw a lot of practice around people being forced into limited companies um, who weren't appropriate, you know, very low level blue collar workers were the, were the classic example, delivery drivers, you know, you know, and you know, just wasn't right for the, for the product in, in essence. Do you, um, but, the, you know, do agencies run a risk if they're trying to force people to do that so that it can give them a better return in effect? Absolutely. Um, yes, they are, because what they're doing effectively there is 
you know, there's a, there's a line you could cross in in terms of knowing that they, well these people are um, you know there's there's no reason to think these people are outside IR35 workers are non-employee like workers, and so in that case, yeah, an agency has to be very careful um, if it is you know seen to be in a, in any kind of organised way pushing people into a certain way of working that isn't appropriate for them. And the other just slightly technical but interesting point to make there as well. These status decisions are all informed by case law, and we've had another several years of case law since the last time people were assessing themselves, and quite a lot of that has been around things, roles like delivery drivers and so on. So there's kind of even more reasons to be uh, to be careful as an agency about what what you might think is an okay way for your your workforce to operate. Um, so get advice, I suggest, as, you know, uh, obviously you might want direct legal advice. People like us are very used to dealing with supply chains and, and analysing the different moving parts of them and uh, working out where your options are and where your risks lie. But certainly, yeah, under the uh, bits of law like the Criminal Finance Act, you mustn't put people in a, a place that you know to be highly likely to be um, uh, challenging from a tax perspective. It, you, you can't do things that, that you should, you ought to know look like that they're not appropriate and chris you you were talking about working with hmrc to understand the rules going forward so what will you and work well be doing for that yeah so um i mean in terms of what hmrc do you go forward what they're about so they'll be faced with a situation in a few months time where they can't use these new rules they're gonna have to go back to a world where they look at um individual contractors and try and work out who might uh, need investigating um, and they found that very hard. That's why the rules were changed in the first place. So there's no doubt that they will probably they'll probably try and use data intelligence, as we were talking about a little bit earlier with payroll information and stuff like that, a bit more accurately. Um, there is obviously a chance as well that going forward a few years, they did bring these new rules in to try and fix the position. They may indeed bring some more new rules in in a few years' time, but it, it will take time. Um, and yeah, they'll still be looking at things like um, yeah, there was a recent case on employment status where they tried to use the the normal the agency intermediaries legislation to try and attack uh, the status of a group of people. Um, there are you know there's current issues in our marketplace around things like MSC. There's all sorts of different ways HMRC could use to try and attack um, a population of contractors. Um, but I know you know I know some of the people on policy there and meet with them quite regularly. They have limited resources that they focus in different areas at the moment, and lots and lots of those people currently are working still on furlough fraud and stuff like that. Um, and they'll have to make a decision in the years to come on where they focus that resource. Um, obviously, there were some noises in the the mini budget that things like regulation are not not where this government's focus is. Um, but of course, this is tax collection; it's money. I'm sure they'll support HMRC in in whatever efforts they can use uh, to try and collect uh, what they see as a as a kind of shortfall. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll continue to work with them. Um, we do get updates on what their compliance activity is before it starts, um, and we'll be we'll be sharing that with the people we work with, of course. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I, I never thought I'd say this, but exciting times ahead for um, you know, the reform of IR35. So we'll obviously keep posted. Um, we'll probably do a follow up session with you guys. I think once we've got a more of a view of what agency's going to do, how they're going to feel about it and really go from there. But um, thanks so much for taking the time and jumping on this so quickly, um, Chris. Chris, if anyone does want to pick your brains, take advice, how can they get hold of you? Yeah, the best way, especially for the kind of things I put out on I35, which obviously it's gone massively back up in the last few days, is on LinkedIn. Um, so that's, that's the best initial place. And I do I do respond to messages. It is me. It's not a robot. So yeah, if you that's the best place to start. And you'll find a lot of the 
um, you know, whatever's the most up-to-date thinking I, I put on there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and um, certainly do keep us updated. Will do. Thanks a lot.